You're listening to the Poster Spy Podcast. I'm Jack Woodhams, founder of PosterSpy.com and your host. In today's episode, I'm joined by guest Hannah Gillingham, a UK-based illustrator who recently signed to renowned agency Jelly, which later led to her work being on display in Times Square in New York, which is a massive achievement. Her work is known for its painterly and figurative style, and recently she has created artwork for a range of clients including Disney, Lucasfilm, Spotify, Adult Swim, RSPB, More Art Gallery, and more. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can visit posterspy.com pro. Pro members get extended editions of all of our podcast episodes, and season two will also feature a number of video episodes to watch online. Hey, Hannah. Hey, how you doing? Not too bad, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me because I've been listening to all the episodes so far, so it's quite exciting to actually get to be a part of one of them. Thank you. Have you, have you been enjoying them? Yeah, they've been really good so far. Yeah, you probably uh, wouldn't say no, though. To- <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> You're not going to be on here now and say, actually, you know, I, I really didn't like any of them. <laughs> yeah, that would be very brave of me if I did that say would that, be. but no, no, they're really good so far. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, it's it's great to have you here. This season is a lot more sort of diverse in terms of guests. You know, I'm going to have artists on here, art directors on here. So hopefully people are going to find it really interesting, educational, and just, I don't know, inspirational. So firstly, I want to congratulate you on your recent signing with uh, Jelly. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, Jelly is an agency in the UK. They've done some great work. And a recent piece that you did was for Spotify. I actually got in touch or connected with Jelly through um, social media, through Twitter. And um, that's how the Spotify job came came to be. So I, I think I must have responded to one of their tweets, which was like, we're looking for a painterly artist, illustrator. And I was like, well, pretty much just described what I do. <laughs> so I put my name underneath and then I um, got in touch and spoke to Chris who's like one of the founders of Jelly. And then eventually the, he sent me an email saying, are we, how do you feel about working with an agency? And obviously I was like, well, yeah, I'm obviously very happy to, to, to do that. Cause I know, I know of Jelly. I've, I remember when I first graduated from uni, I, I already had my eye on them and I saw one of their like talks at DNAD which I went to after I graduated. So this was all like very, very exciting stuff. So when he reached out and said, oh yeah, we've got something for this this project. I didn't actually know that it was Spotify at first. And then I got the like the brief and I opened it up and it was like Spotify. I was like, oh, well, this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> so that's worth amazing like first sort of clients. job to do with them. Yeah. Yeah. And then... um now, well, I, they didn't offer me the um, the signing. I actually reached out and said that I was looking for representation because at the start of the year, I was like, okay, by the end of the year, I want to be represented by an agency. So I sent the email out to Chris, kind of like shooting my shot. Didn't know what was going to happen. I was, I was pretty prepared for it to like be like, okay, thanks for letting us know, but we're not really interested right now. <laughs> Try <laughs> again actually, next year. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they came back and they were like, oh yeah, um, would you come in and have a chat with us in our studio? And I was like, yes. <laughs> well, that's so, amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, from just a, 
Did you say it was a tweet, right? Yeah, on Twitter, yeah. Well, just f- when it was Twitter. Well, yeah, when it was. <laughs> the, the good old days. Um, yeah, you know, to go from something as simple as that and, and then to actually land an agent through it, I think is amazing. You know, so for so many artists, that is kind of like a big thing to as part of their career to get to the point where they're represented. Um, many great benefits of being represented. You know, your, your artwork is put out there by someone who's got connections with tons of different people. They'll really like fight your fight and get you in there, which is great. And also, you know, they take care of your rights, usage, things like that. A lot of things that starting artists especially don't really know much about. So, you know, you mentioned that you'd come out and graduate and you'd got this agent pretty quick. That's, uh, it's pretty good. Thanks. Well, I think what was really important for me, because I think it's been about three or four years now since I graduated. And so I've been doing a freelance illustration full time now for about three years. Um, so I've been able to like kind of find out how, how to do this myself first a little bit and like I get experience like um, working with clients and learning how, how you're how to communicate with them properly and like deal with the business side of things with contracts and all that stuff. But um, it has been really nice to kind of have someone help me out with that as well. Yeah. Because it is really time consuming. Yeah. It is really time consuming. I could spend days just on emails. So like, yeah, having that is really good. Yeah. It's it's one thing a lot of um, clients and people that, you know, want to work with artists don't consider in their time. They will come to you and email you and say, Hey, you're interested in this project. And these kind of conversations can go on for weeks, sometimes even months. And you're not getting paid for that time. And I know it sounds, you know, Oh, we should get paid just for sending emails, but it is part of your job. It's part of your job to sit there and respond to them. And, you know, if they're trying to gauge your sort of interest and any ideas you might have, and if you're right for the project, you're basically working for them, even though you're not actually getting paid for it. So, you know, like you said, having that part taken away and being handled by an agent way, so you don't have to spend time doing that. And then you can spend more time actually doing the work that's getting you paid. You know, that's all going to be really helpful in your career. See, it's going well so far, right? You enjoying it so far? Yeah, no, it's been really good so far. I've only recently been um, signed to Jelly, but so far it's been really great. Everyone's really lovely. Everyone's really supportive. I think um, I haven't mentioned, but my so I'm actually signed on to Jelly Futures. So it's like, unlike their um, normal roster, they actually, as well as representing me, they actually mentor me as well. Oh, so great. yeah, so as as well as like pushing my work out there and representing me, I also get help with like um, my portfolio, portfolio, my portfolio, and um, yeah, basically helping me grow my career, which is really exciting because it's like I get the best of both. I get like the representation as well, and like being able to continue to grow as an artist. I know that you probably, you still do that when you're represented, but knowing that they're, they've got my back and they're like, I've got this advice from really experienced people that have been in the industry for a really long time. Yeah, it just, it's a good feeling. 
Well, a lot of agents are actually very hands off. Like they'll just give you the work and they'll get you signed on and then that's that's it. And sometimes you'll be with an agency and, you know, you won't hear from them for a long time. I mean, it, it, they all work differently. I'm not saying that one is better than the other. You know, sometimes for artists, it's better to just get the work every now and then and not have that mentorship if they don't want it. But I think if you are fairly new to the scene and, you know, you're, you're, you've just been signed and you're working on big client work that you would not have been doing before, having that kind of career help and, and assistance in going in the right direction and sort of, you know, pointing out your strengths and maybe some of your weaknesses as well is, is really handy to have because let's be honest, most people probably aren't going to tell you. And I, I think, you know, one thing with the art community is everyone's super supportive and that's great, but it's rare that we actually see people being constructive with feedback or giving any feedback at all. You know, there's so many things I see on, you know, I try to do it more now, actually. There's a lot of things I see that get uploaded to Post Spy and someone might message me like, hey, I just made this poster, what do you think? And I actually say now, you know, would you like a bit of constructive criticism? You know, I can give you some feedback, maybe help you see things a bit differently. And from what I've experienced so far is most artists have been super receptive to that and actually found it really useful. Um, because yeah, there's some things that, you just don't think of. And most of the time when you put it online, everyone's just like, you know, it's great, it's great, it's great. But no one says, hey, it's great, but have you tried this? And and a lot of the time that can actually really progress your work and your style and everything. So no, that is no, great I, that you've I got totally, that support. I totally agree. I think, it's, well, if it's if it's wanted, the, the criticisms, blah, blah. <laughs> I think when the criticism is wanted and like, I think, yeah, it can be really beneficial. But I think when you have comments coming from too many different people, they can start to become really conflicting. And then you're kind of like, you you get stuck because you either try and make everyone happy by trying to do answer all the comments. Or, yeah, you just kind of like go into meltdown, don't know, or just completely like don't know what to do. So I've, I've made that mistake myself. I when I was first starting out on like my first few posters, I did reach out to quite a few people asking for their, their feedback and for their, like their comments. And I obviously asked a few too many people cause I was getting then all these comments back, all really good comments that I wanted to like put into my work, <laughs> but <laughs> I wanted to put them all into my work. So I, I'd kind of like taken on this task that, yeah, it, it wasn't, it didn't work out that great. I was really happy with the poster in the end, but yeah, I, I just got it feedback from too many people. Yeah. And then by the end of it, it's not even really the poster you ever wanted to do. No. And <laughs> I, the, the thing that always makes me remember this and to be careful, and I, I always say to artists, actually, I've done a few, um, when the Patreon was live and obviously now we've, we've moved to pro memberships. When the Patreon was up, I was doing one-to-one -one Zoom calls with people, like mentoring sessions. And I had someone on there. And the one thing I said was, don't get too caught up in, you know, having these huge groups where you send out your work and ask for feedback or anything like that, because you do end up with way too much from other people. And the problem is, is as an artist, you always feel like, oh, you know, Every, I think artists always have this sense that <laughs> people know better than they do a lot of the time. They, they they doubt themselves. They worry that what they're doing isn't really what people want to see. So they take that advice and they want to hear that advice. But like you said, if you get too many, and you know, it's the same thing as like too many cooks in the kitchen, right? It's the same thing. Yeah. You just get way too much feedback, way too much advice. And then you just sat there like, I don't know what to do. 
And then if you do take all the advice, you'll probably end up with a poster you're not even happy with because it's not really what you wanted to do. Yeah. So as your work is mostly portraiture, in a sense, when you're making a film poster, which could often com you know, comprise different, uh, different elements, story elements, scenes, whatever, how do, you, how do you best get all that down into a poster when you're working on something? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, well, not just in movie posters, but throughout all my work, um, storytelling, that like that's at the heart of everything. And trying to capture an essence of a story is can be tricky. I think it comes down to trying to find a concept that captures <laughs> and like gets everything in um and usually that i have using strong sense of color to like capture the mood of a of a film is really important because that can i'm trying to find the right word but yeah it can be really important basically to try and like capture the essence capture capture the spirit of the film um rather than trying to put every single uh, still from a different scenes into the poster um because that's what i used to want to do is try to fit everything in and that's it doesn't always end up looking the best so um yeah uh, that's a tricky one well how do you approach it like so you just said that when you do when you used to want to add loads of different stuff to the to the poster but obviously as an artist, you need to get to a point where you say, okay, well, I don't need to add that. I don't want to add that. Maybe this can go, maybe this can stay. How, talk me through that process because obviously you do go through that every time you make a poster. So um, usually if I haven't watched it already, I watch it or it, well, even if I have, I'll watch it again. Um, and I basically try to find out what sticks out the most to me and I, what stands out as like the core elements. And then basically I sketch and draw out so many thumbnails. Like I'd, I start off with everything by hand. So in my sketchbook and I just do like really tiny um, thumbnails, really rough in pencil. And I just, I, I do tons because I try and my, my idea is to basically get out all the rubbish ideas and all the like things that come too easily to me first. And I find it really um, beneficial to like have them in front of me visually so I can see what doesn't work or, or what's too simple. And then I can just keep going until something clicks and something looks looks really visually pleasing and like um, stands out to me, but also like captures everything. What's the sort of threshold for you? What point do you say that's too simple? Because when you say that, I'm kind of thinking, well... Well, uh, maybe what, what is simple it, what's not what's complex how do you see that i think maybe i've uh, phrased it wrong maybe i'm i mean like something that's too obvious so something that might have already been done before or uh, some people might have the same idea because i think if you sit down a load of artists and like give them a film the first few sketches that all of them will do probably will could be quite similar i don't know um so i think that's what i mean so I guess an example of that could be like, I don't know, it's still the main character with like the main scene in it. Like that would be quite an obvious 
uh, concept. So trying to think outside the box. You mentioned when you do your, you know, conceptualizing phase, you do a lot of different thumbnails and stuff like that. But obviously as an artist, you're always trying to find out new ways to do things and progress your work as well. Is there a point when you're, when you're drawing, when you're sketching that you try to add in new things? Is there anything you consciously know at the minute you're trying to add more into your work is kind of what I'm asking. Oh no. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm always trying to push my work further and like add new elements to it at the moment. Um, I think this is like applies to my illustration in general, not just movie posters. Um, but I currently work in like a very representational way. My work is quite, um, I describe it like semi-realistic way of working, not, um, uh, so I'm trying to push, push that further. So go beyond that, um, and add, add more actual like surreal elements to that. Um, an example as, of me trying that out was my recent Alice piece that I did. Um, I basically tried to interpret the the book in my own way and add surreal elements to that portrait. So it was kind of like a mixture of like uh, line drawings as well as like painterly effects and not just the plain straight up semi-realistic figure and everything like that. So. Yeah, I'm trying to do more of that. I haven't done a huge amount of it yet, but it's like it's a work in progress. So, well, I think it's great to have that that skill set, right? Because there are a lot of very realism based illustrators that do struggle to sort of move out of it because they're so used to doing that for so long that that's the kind of only work they can do. And I think that, especially with social media at the minute and and everything that's going on with artists ai i'm not going to get into that in this episode of we've i've spoken about this way too much on this podcast already but um you know we, we've basically got more and more reasons for artists to have to be very unique in their work and obviously realism gets to a point where well if one realist realist illustrator can can draw that there's another one that can do it because it would be the same because it's realism it's the same in a way if you get three people. Obviously, there will be differences, of course, but it's going to be pretty similar. You know, th three or four people take the same picture of Big Ben. I mean, it's going to still be Big Ben. It's basically what I'm getting at. Um, so having that sort of additional ability to, to change the work, and I've got your website up here and I can see, you know, obviously the people listening to this, maybe they have it up, maybe they don't. But, um, you know, I'm looking at that Alice piece now and it, it is a very standout piece from the rest of your portfolio because there is all of these abstract elements and it's, it just looks completely different, which I think is great. Um, but you've always been a bit sort of versatile with your realism anyway, and you do have a, um, a different sort of flair to your work. I mean, I'm, I'm looking down your, your stuff now and even the realism stuff is there's still there's still that sense of it's been drawn you can tell right there's and okay, sometimes you know <laughs> well no but also on some of the illustrations you know there's there's almost a sort of caricature-esque style to some of them as well like you yeah. got these little white uh, the power of the dog the little white lies cover there um and i was just scrolling down your website and the moonrise kingdom poster blinks and that really creeped me out for a second i was going down i was like hold on a second did he blink? yeah it's cool don't get me wrong I was not <laughs> expecting him to blink. I was scrolling down it and I was like, hold on a second. Did he just, wow. That's cool though. That's very cool. Thank you. Yeah. I, I need to do that more to my other, um, other work. It's just like I finish a piece and then I, 
I, f- I almost like forget that I can, I can do that. I would you like mean to animate more. Or- yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think animation, I mean, that's the thing, like I was saying, you know, things are moving so quickly with with what artists are expected to do. And I think, you know, especially now you're represented and you're with an agency, I feel like you're probably going to get more briefs that may come in that are like, can you animate? Can you do this? Because there's always going to be more um, more things required of artists, I think, as we get further and further into, you know, what artists are needed for going forward, yeah, let's be honest. definitely. Um, and I think a lot of artists that just do still imagery might find themselves struggling to to get that potential work. I mean, you know, I work with a lot of clients and the one thing that they're really focused on at the minute is, you know, video content, animation, reels, all that kind of stuff. And I know in a way it kind of sucks, you know, as an artist, you don't want to think, oh God, I have to do all this as well now. Like I can't just draw, and draw something, That's that can't be enough. But I think the, the thing is, is there's so many creators out there who are doing so much more than just a still image that i mean it's a competitive market we 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 can't sort of be naive to that fact that you know if you're in a deck you so's five other artists you know to to go with and if you've got that other ability to say hey look i can actually do animated stuff or i can do something else then you know you've always got that extra foot in that a lot of artists might not so yeah Yeah, i think that's really important like um as an artist, like I always want to be exploring different routes and like expanding what, what I can do basically and developing my skills. Because if not, I just feel like I'm stagnating and I'm, I'm not pushing myself fully and I get, I don't want to feel like that. So yeah, it's really important for me to do that. I think what's going to be really um, exciting as well, because Jelly actually have an in-house animation team. So there's like, there's going to be opportunities for me to work with them as well, potentially, which would be really cool. Yeah. So then they can take your work and potentially animate it for client stuff. Now that's really cool. It's actually one thing at the minute I'm having to try and see what I can do for my clients as well, because I feel like animation around design is such an interesting visual way to do things because yeah. yeah you know a still image goes online you look at it once and you just go okay cool you know that's great but w- what now whereas with animation you can add extra layers to your work and you can as an artist as well you can think a little bit more about what you know animation is all based around layers so when you're doing your work you can maybe add in hidden elements that can like appear from other areas things that can pop out like there's so much more that you can do with that animation so hopefully you'll, you'll be able to get the opportunity are there any posters you'd like to work on coming up where you might like to animate some elements um well i haven't actually touched my personal project that i've got going on in the background for a while um i've been doing like some twin peaks portrait illustrations which has been really fun um but I haven't done it for a while, so maybe the next one I do, I can add some animation to it. I only ever add like quite subtle animations because I'm not the best animator. I've got like the basic level skills, so I can make characters blink. I can make like s- the animation like steam or like clouds, so like subtle movements. But yeah, no, that that would be interesting to do that. And this uh, this personal project of yours, are you allowed to talk a little bit about that, or is it like a hush hush secret project? Oh no, it's it's very like it's all over my social media. It's like my Twin Peaks uh, portrait illustrations. So I'm just like basically going to be working 
my way through all the Twin Peaks characters. I don't know if oh, you're okay. familiar with the show at all, but it's one of uh, it's a show by David Lynch, so it's like quite a unique, interesting show. But it's one of my favorite TV shows. I did watch season one, and I don't know why, but I watched season one, and then I just kind of fell off a little bit. Wasn't really too interested in watching the next season. I, I thought the show was really fun and really interesting and bizarre and, and quirky, but it got to the point where I was kind of like, I, I think something just came up that I started watching instead, or yeah. I just got on, or I was just doing something else, and I just forgot to watch the next season. <laughs> and it's just one of those things where once you get past a certain stage, you just don't go back. Um, yeah. But maybe I will. Maybe I'll revisit it. Well, and I didn't know that's. I, did, I have seen this this uh, series of yours. I didn't know that that was the personal project you were you were talking about. Yeah, I thought yeah, maybe yeah, you had something else. Yeah going on but yeah no I, I have yeah maybe i'll give it a try and go back to it at some point yeah it's definitely not everyone's taste but yeah well i think it's you know it's just that kind of like bizarre thing right where because yeah. when i was watching it it's like the stuff that the things that people do and talk about and say just doesn't really it feels really like disconnected from how anything would work in reality but <laughs> in like a good way as well do you yeah. know what i mean like it's so weird but you kind of be like oh yeah i guess this is this can work but then yeah it's, it's, it's a really interesting show but yeah you know your series has been great i've um seen a few of those pieces i think you've even uploaded one or two to post spy so i've seen i've definitely seen these these pieces um but besides the twin peaks then are there any other personal projects you would be interested in doing anything that kind of like sparks your interest it sounds like a i can't really complain it's a nice thing to complain about but i've actually had quite a lot of like commercial and like client projects to work on recently so I haven't had like a huge amount of time to work on personal projects which is nice but also I do miss working on the personal projects as well because it is a lot of fun um I think there I was gonna say there's like there is something I'm thinking of that I would want to do but I might be doing it in like an official route so I okay. can't really say anything so there is, so there is a, a personal project then. There, there well, is one. Yeah, I've got, I've, I basically got a few licensed prints in the works. Okay. Um, yeah, I got one that might be end up being a series of prints potentially. Touch wood, and then um, one licensed film poster. And then another licensed print, which is um, not so much a film poster. Uh, I don't want to give away too much. <laughs> Super secretive. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't, I'm quite like, I don't want to jinx it because it is. it should all be going ahead. But you never know. I don't want to. I'll speak about it like this and then that's true things can change last minute and then you kind of get your hopes up and you talk about it with yeah. people and then suddenly it's not it's not happening but let's hope that doesn't happen let's hope you yeah. get it you <laughs> get the so. project and, and nothing yeah and nothing goes wrong um how did those come about then did they did you just approach galleries or did they come to you or how did that work um i approached them so i'm i used to be quite reserved when i was first starting out i'd I found it very difficult to reach out to people because um, I, I, was, I think I was like feared rejection and was quite shy. But now I'm I'll basically, if I want to do something, I'll just reach out. I'm very complimentary. If I like, if I really like the gallery or the, the person I'm reaching out to, I make sure they 
<laughs> make sure they know basically I, I, I'm very enthusiastic so yeah um make sure they know that I'm passionate about what I want to do with them and make sure they know and do, do you know what sort of changed that for you from going from like shy and, and sort of not wanting to message people to suddenly now just being like in everyone's dms you know how did, <laughs> how did you get past that point because i know i know a lot of artists do suffer with that like that anxiety of messaging people or being rejected or you know a gallery just saying no um which is which is not really the worst thing they could say to you really let's be yeah. honest um but obviously there was a point in your life where you kind of looked past that you you, you grew out of it what what were, what were you able to do there i think it was when i realized exactly that like the worst that can happen is they say no and also I basically didn't give myself much of a choice like I don't have anything to fall back on and I, ne I never had anything to fall back on if I wasn't doing illustration if I wasn't doing something creative so I basically told myself I had to make something happen or I'd, ha I'd have nothing <laughs> I'd be stuck so yeah it was kind of like yeah I've got to make this happen or else so yeah that was it yeah, I'm kind of the same. Like, so at this point in my, so I've been in posters by for 10 years and <clears throat> I'm at a point now where any, I mean, obviously there's a lot of skills I've acquired doing this job for so long, whether or not that's working with people, art direction, even just handling like a company and the social media and everything. Cause obviously, you know, I do, I do all of that, but I even think at times if I didn't have this, like if this, if the work here suddenly dried up and I just had no client work for whatever reason, I do feel like, what would I do after this? And it's difficult because I take it you work from home as well. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, do. you do get into that lifestyle of like, you can work when you need to work. You can do whatever you want to do around that. And that sort of freedom around it as well is really nice. Um, and then having to think, well, if I didn't have this, I'd have to essentially, you know, go to an office, work nine to five, do this kind of thing, which is totally fine. That works for a lot of people. But obviously, when you've been doing this for so long, it's very difficult to get back into that um, because there are so many sort of there's so many benefits to this, you know, freelancing, essentially that lifestyle that I think a lot of people do want to do. But, you know, I think you'd, you'd be more than easily be able to settle back into like a, a job like that if you had to and, and, you know, do that kind of job. But you just don't really want to do it's just it's just so difficult when you when you're able to work at home sort of in your comfort you know you've got this nice studio as well i see behind you with your, <laughs> with your plants and all this stuff like having to give all of that up and you know desk job and whatever it would be probably quite difficult yeah before um i made the jump to do freelance full time i was actually working a nine to five job i was actually a creative visualizer and events agency um, I got the position straight after uni because I worked there as an intern. And um, yeah, I, it was a really nice creative studio. Um, it worked really well for me. It wasn't 100% what I wanted to do because it wasn't like straight up illustration. Got to do some storyboarding sometimes, but um, most of what I did was basically uh, touching up like 3D renders. Um, so yeah, very different to what I'm doing now, but um after well during covid i got put on furlough then got made redundant so basically then that made me take the leap to do freelance because i was like okay well because of covid i i'm having to step back 
And of course, because everyone else was in the same position trying to find jobs, there was no, there was nothing. I was trying really hard to find another job, but couldn't find anything. So then I had to move back home because I was actually in London at the time. So I had to move back home, which I'm really grateful for because my family have been really supportive and really happy to have me back. So yeah, was, can't complain at all. Um, yeah, came back home and I was like, well, I might as well make the best of it. And I'm in like a very like privileged that I'm in like this secure place. So I, why not make the jump and try and do freelance now while I can? Um, yeah, because I think it would have been very difficult and different if I had tried to do that in London after losing my job because I wouldn't have the same kind of security because I'd be in like obviously in fear of losing my apartment while trying to start freelance from scratch. So yeah, I think it was um, like a blessing in disguise kind of really losing that job and having to come back home because I wouldn't have imagined the back then that I would be here where I am now. Well, I think a lot of people experienced a similar thing with COVID. I mean, obviously we can't deny the fact that it was a terrible period in time. Mm, you know, yeah, so many definitely. people lost their jobs and so many people, you know, probably have still not financially recovered from COVID. I mean, yeah. I even know from, from COVID for me, it basically drained my bank account because I had to, I didn't get any work because obviously Post Buy is all based around the the film industry and the TV industry and, and, and that kind of work just completely vanished because there wasn't anything going on i mean even now with the strikes and stuff it's a bit of a concern you know because it's yeah. almost I, I make a joke with clients that it's almost like covid 2 now because you know there's nothing coming out anymore um but it's it's a case where it for a lot of people as well it did give them the opportunity to think well you know what I'll make the most of what i've got and actually take advantage of the situation of potentially you know moving back home or being in a more freeing situation where they can do that um, yeah. And, you know, there's plenty of people I know who lost their jobs during COVID and they're doing great now. They've, they've got new jobs and they're, 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 you know, sort of working just fine. So I think, yeah, like you said, a bit of a blessing in disguise, but clearly it's giving you the option to do that. And now you've got an agent and it's all kind of going uphill, which is good. Yeah, no, definitely. It is, um, it is pretty exciting. Like it still feels very like surreal to me because, um, like in at the beginning of the year, like I said, like I was like, okay, because uh, I've always said to myself, it'd be, it'd be like a nice bonus if I had an agent. It'd be like a really nice to have kind of thing. Not a like, not necessarily a necessity, but it'd be like, it'd be really, it'd be really good. And I, or I said to myself as well, like, oh, post bossy, I've always wanted to like build a relationship with them as well, and come. Um, fast forward to now and I can say that I've found myself an agent with Jelly and I've joined the post bossy. Yeah, that just that's it seems very surreal to me. Like I had to like pinch myself sometimes because I'm still at the stage like I still feel really lucky to do what I do. Like growing up, my family were always really supportive, but um when I was at school trying to like figure out what I wanted to do um everyone said oh no you can't make you can't make a living doing art you that that's like you can't basically it was like no you've got to do so something academic you've got to try find a real job 
So I always had it in my head that it was kind of going to be basically a dream. But um, so, yeah, to say that I can be, I am an illustrator and that I can make art for a living. Yeah, it's very unreal to me still, even though I'm doing it (laughs) and I've been doing it for three years. Yeah, what you said about school is is, is funny because I did art at school as well. And you're right there that most people did kind of look down on art and and Mm. those kind of courses as being sort of why are you doing that you're not gonna be able to get a job out of it and i I even feel as as someone on the course you almost feel like being on an art course is like cheating almost you know because everyone else has exams and studies and all this all this difficult stuff and yet you can kind of as an artist because you've got that skill which is usually just pen and paper right it feels like you're just sailing by usually I, that's how i felt anyway it just felt like yeah. well, i'm not even really doing anything um <laughs> and i think that sort of idea uh, manifests itself as we grow older you know we kind of feel like is this really is this re- am i even really doing something serious is this even really a thing am i still just basically playing like a kid like at this age you know just drawing and, and mm. making stuff like it's, it's amazing that you get to do it though that's the thing if you can make it a career and the same as like other careers that are, you know, crafts-based, design-based. If you can take those elements that, you know, you, I mean, I don't know about you, but I enjoyed that kind of stuff during my childhood. If you can then take that into your adult life and still enjoy what you're doing, it's a wonderful thing. And I think that that's actually part of the reason, though, that a lot of artists have this sort of self-doubt. They have this imposter syndrome thing because it is kind of like how am I managing to do this? How is this yeah. legit? <laughs> how am I How am I just drawing and getting work and, and this is what Basically. I get to do? Yeah. But even when I get um, emails from people that want to work with me and I get like a brief, say for instance, uh, someone wants to do a film poster or someone um, like say, I find out this by the, find, find out about the Spotify job. It, it Yeah. Every time I receive something like that, I'm like, oh, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, I just find it like amazing that I get to do this. Well, I think it's 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 always important to remember that there is a a lot of interest still with, in illustration. There is still markets for it. There are still jobs available for it. I think you know. Again, I I didn't really want to touch on like the AI thing, but you know we've got this sort of impending doom that a lot of artists feel they've got with with AI, and I think the reality is is it's nothing to really worry about. I, I don't think at the minute artists should be concerning themselves too much with it just kind of get on with the work and and keep doing what you were doing um because i still get emails from people that want to do art stuff they want to do you know do commissions they want to see artists take on different things because i think fundamentally art will always have its place as a way of showing what people think about something else that's the thing like that's always what to me that's what art really is if you you know you go to an artist and you say can you make a poster for my movie or whatever it is they're basically saying we want to see your take on our film and i think that people that are interested in that kind of work and and commissioning artists will always do that i don't think those kind of people are ever going to just go on you know mid-journey whatever and just say poster for this thing because they're not going to get really what they want what they want actually is that collaborative process they want that that idea of an artist has seen what I've done and they have reinterpreted it. And I think that that will always last. So I think, yeah, one one thing, you know, anyone listening to this that's a little bit sort of AI conscious and a bit worried about their work, you know, don't be because I do think that anybody who wants to do art or, or wants to commission art, sorry, 
they will continue to. I, I, there's only going to be a few, a handful of people that go, naturally, no, nah, I don't want artists. I'm just going to go to AI. And those people you probably wouldn't want to work with anyway. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think AI or no AI, like I'm still going to be doing what I'm doing. Like it's not going to stop me from carrying on basically. Like I think you're exactly right. The people that you don't want to work with are those people that are going to be heading off and using AI. So there's still those people that will reach out to you or you can reach out to. So yeah, I, I definitely agree. You've mentioned all these kind of like pinch me moments and, and you know, you, you still kind of can't believe that you, you've got the agencies and you've got this work coming in. So what kind of advice would you give to artists who were in your position, you know, a few years ago and, and would like to be sort of where you're at now? Um, I think it's definitely get your work out on, like get your work out and push it everywhere. Like put it on social media, put it on a website, uh, put it on online portfolios, like post a spy. <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Um, cause yeah, the more people that see your work, the better. Um, I did a push for myself at the beginning of the year. I, I made sure my work was on like the a AOI, the association of illustrators portfolio, because before I didn't have that. Um, I think there's an American version as well. I did that. Um, and also reaching out to people, either that be a, like a DM or a message for like, for basically giving yeah, advice to Yeah, I was just about to say, just me. DM everybody. <laughs> just just yeah, message everyone. You've you got nothing to lose, really. Um, but also reaching out to people you want to work with. Like, I know some people are very against cold emails, but they, they still, people still do it. I do it. And it, it can work. Um, and maybe if you don't want to do cold emails, something that I want to do myself is create some promo material that actually physically send to people. Because I think that's done less nowadays. Because there's nothing better than getting something in the post that you can actually hold with your hands. Like I love still seeing my work physically printed because everything I do most of the time I see on my screen. So it's nice to actually print it myself and see it. So I want to create some promo material that I can actually send to clients or potential clients. So I think that's a good idea also. And everybody loves post, right? Like if it's yeah. something, what's this? What's come? It's like Christmas every day, right? If you get post all the exactly. time. That's why people get addicted to buying things all the time. Yeah. But yeah, you know, you send people stuff in the post and they'll be opening that up. And I can imagine, yeah, I mean, you're going to get some people that go, why is this on my desk? But you're going to get other people that go, oh, this is actually really really cool and they might give you a call or they might get in touch i think like you said the the worst thing you'll ever get is a no or just kind of ignored and i think in terms of what could be the worst thing that would ever happen to you as an artist that is not one of them so it's worth taking that risk it's worth contacting people you know they might ignore you like i said they might say no but they, a, lot, a lot of people say no and come back again a year later so yeah it's true. always worth that risk in my opinion definitely so one thing I actually did want to ask you, because you mentioned, you know, you're quite new in the scene, really. And, you, you know, you, um, you, you've already built up a lot of momentum around your work pretty quickly. But were there any illustrators or any films, any, any, any sort of reason that you started getting into alternative movie posters? Because I think this scene is, is for a lot of people, it's very accessible. You know, maybe they wanted to make movies themselves and they started making movie posters as a sort of... Uh, channel that sort of energy into something but for you what was your sort of reason for picking up alternative movie posters yeah when i first started out i was doing a lot of um 
just straight up illustrated portraits. Um, basically fan art. I was picking characters that I really liked and I started an Etsy shop uh, where I was selling fan art. I don't have that same Etsy shop anymore because I I'm trying to work out um what I how I feel about that because it's a you're not really meant to sell fan art. So you're not no. But Etsy is full of it, right? I yeah, mean, there's there's so many on there. But also there's all these things recently. I mean, I'm not on Etsy. I, I don't really use it, but I've heard there's a lot of issues at the minute with their changing the way artists get paid on there. And there's so much like people aren't getting paid anymore. And I don't know. I don't know. What, what, what Do you know much about that? I know that the fees went up like crazy amounts, but that's all I know. But yeah, that's, that's just no more. But yeah, so I, I had like basically just loads of illustrated portraits and I, I was a bit stuck because I, I was really enjoying doing it and I liked how they were looking and stuff. I was tr basically, I was really stuck on uh, building a style and working out what my style was. But I'd obviously, I didn't know it, but I'd worked it out. I had a style. I was just like running it too far <laughs> into the ground basically and not focusing on anything else. And then I came across alternative movie posters. I think I must have seen them um on social media, probably on Instagram. And I had that like click moment where I was like, oh, I can like merge illustration with film. Like, cause uh, underneath illustration, my set, like one of my passions or like what's something I'm really interested to is film. So I was like, oh, I could do both. I can like merge the two and create film posters. And I don't know why it took me so long to like put the two together and realize I could do that I think it's because I didn't I wasn't aware of the alternative movie poster scene and like how I know it's still very quite niche but how big it was and like the community around it I think um one of the first artists that I saw I think it was Freya Betts and I think I connected a lot to her work because she works in like a similar painterly way to what I do I saw her film posters and I was like, oh my gosh, wow, these are amazing. And I wanted to like do something similar, like see my work in a poster format. And so I went, I think the first poster I made, it was actually following um, a Freya Betts tutorial that was on like an online blog. Um, it was my uh, portrait of a lady on fire poster. Yeah. That was quite a while ago. And you've met Freya now, right? I haven't met her in person. I've you've never met her? her. No. Um, oh. We nearly crossed paths um, at a Comic-Con, but I, um, we were both there on different days. But I've spoken to her online. She's really lovely. Yeah, she's, I was, was going to say, she's, yeah. she's really great. And of course, she was on this podcast. She was on this podcast. Yeah. And she was also <laughs> signed to Jelly. I think, oh, is yeah. she still signed to Jelly or was she signed to Jelly? Either way. Um, not, not anymore, but she was, yeah. So yeah, no, she is great. I mean, if you ever get a chance to meet her, definitely try to, she's just super supportive and really nice. So yeah, no, I definitely got that vibe from her. I'm going to wrap up the podcast here. I think it's been an absolutely great chat. I, I've loved having you on here and talking about all things, all things posters and, and about your art career as well, because I, I'm really excited for you it sounds like you've got so much going on and you've got a lot of exciting things in the pipe work as well that hopefully we're going to see soon thank you so much for having me now i've really enjoyed it as well it's been really nice 
Thank you for listening to the Post Spy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. You can help fund this series directly by becoming a Poster Spy Pro member. You'll be given access to extended versions of each and every episode, discounts with our partners, and a whole lot more. Simply head over to posterspy.com pro. If you're looking for daily design inspiration, visit posterspy.com and follow us on Twitter at Posterspy for all of the latest updates.